You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. Welcome to another live program of Voice of Islam radio station. Uh, my name is Safir. Um, I am uh, presenting today with uh, Imam Raza Ahmed um, as we will take you through two hours where we have discussions on two particular topics that we have chosen for today and as you always know with the uh, Voice of Islam live programs you can always get in touch you can always be part of the program and the way you do that is that you can give us a call uh, our lines are open uh, from now all the way till 6 p.m. Uh, so Monday to Friday between 4 and 6 p.m. you can give us a call the number is 8 0208687 As you know, the weather is a bit uh, changing at the moment. It's also getting a bit colder, so I do apologize if my voice uh, does not sound as good uh, or as normal as it uh, does uh, at times. I'm not going to say good, but I'm going to say as normal um, as it sounds. Um, so apologies for that. But uh, I think... Getting on with the, uh, the the discussion, the topic that we're, we're going to talk about today in the first hour, that is the uh, importance of uh, voluntary prayer, and not just any voluntary prayer, but the voluntary prayer that is done during the night or before the morning prayer. And that uh, prayer is called in Arabic, tahajjud prayers. Um, tahajjud prayer is, is seen as a very important uh, prayer in the Islamic uh, way of life in in Islam as a religion, um, as you our listeners already know that <clears throat> in Islam we are uh, the Muslims are are commanded to pray five times a day, and that's an obligation that's called the obligatory prayers, and these prayers are obligatory on every. Uh, person of course there are exemptions uh, but mainly these are the five obligatory prayers and then on top of that you can also and you should also as 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 muslim offer voluntary prayers those voluntary prayers are extra prayers that you may uh, do at different times which are permitted and um, one of the best times to offer these special voluntary prayers are in the uh, middle of the night and um, that is what we're talking about, the tahajjud prayer. So <clears throat> if we look at tahajjud and uh, the, uh, the language, uh, the, the Arabic language, if we look at the meaning of it, it is come from juhud. So tahajjud is from juhud, which means to struggle, um, to, to make an effort, which is out of, you know, ordinary. So that is the, that is the meaning of the of the word itself, tahajjud, to struggle, to signify that struggle, to to make an effort um, that makes uh, you a bit uncomfortable. So of course we know waking up uh, in the middle of the night to do prayers is not exactly easy. It's it's very difficult. It requires a sacrifice. So that is the essence behind the tahajjud prayer. That it is in fact an effort. It is a struggle for everyone to make that sacrifice. But when you do make that sacrifice, it has, it has huge significance in terms of the reward that you receive by doing that prayer. The time for the tahajjud prayer starts after the Isha prayer and um, have been, you know, after the Isha prayer, you've done your last prayer during the day, uh, the fifth one, and then you go to sleep and then you wake up during the night. And, and then obviously there's a time 
where you can do that during the night anytime before uh, well before the fajr prayer uh, before the morning prayer starts so the end of the tahajjud time occurs at the nautical twilight uh, if you were to put it uh, when the time for fajr the morning prayer starts uh, a good general rule of thumb is to uh, to keep in mind that the end of tahajjud prayer, the, the night voluntary prayer, and the start of fajr time, so the morning prayer, uh, begins roughly 70 to 90 minutes. Uh, so almost like from an hour to an hour and a half before sunrise. However, this time, of course, may vary country to country and uh, climate to climate. So uh, we're going to talk more about this, but we're going to uh, speak to uh, Imam Farhan Iqbal, who we spoke about the importance of uh, Tahajjud prayer earlier, and this is what uh, the conversation was that we had with him. Assalamu alaikum wa We are pleased to have Farhan Iqbal, who is a missionary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community serving in Canada. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and Jazakallah for, for joining us. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah, and uh, Jazakallah for having me. Now, to begin with, what is the difference between offering your nawafil prayers, your voluntary prayers, straight after your isha prayers, the, the which are the night prayers, and offering the tahajjud prayer, which is the pre you know the the pre dawn prayer? Yeah, so both of them are basically nawafil prayers. They're they're voluntary. Um, they just have a you know tahajjud prayer, as you mentioned, is before dawn, and uh, nawafil prayers can be offered any other time of the day. But uh, the the big difference is, you know, to begin with, uh, in the Holy Quran, Allah says, "Auzu billahi min ash-shaitan rajim wa min al-layli fatahajjad bihi nafilatallah," and offer uh, tahajjad uh, with the recitation of the Quran in a part of the night as a voluntary service for you. So, in in other words, tahajjad is something that is specifically mentioned and encouraged in the Holy Quran, and that would obviously be one of the main and big uh, differences. The other, the other thing we, we should remember is that in Islam, when, I, when it comes to our prayers, we follow the model of the Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And in the Holy Quran, Allah says, وَمَا آتَاكُمْ آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُزُوهُ وَمَا نَحَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُ Which means that whatsoever the messenger, that is Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, whatever he gives you, whatever uh, he does, you should take it, you should follow it, and whatever he forbids you from, you should abstain from it. So it's a clear injunction for us to follow what the Holy Prophet Muhammad Wasallam did, and we see that in his life, he should uh, he, he used to offer tahajjud prayer very regularly. I mean, he offered other nawafil prayers as well, but he was very particular about tahajjud prayer. And there's one narration from Hazrat Bilal Anhu where he narrates that the Holy Prophet said, you should be very regular in tahajjud. That has been the practice of the righteous ones in the past and is a means of attaining nearness to God. This is a habit that safeguards against sin, removes blemishes, and safeguards from physical illness. And so that, you know, we see the, we see the emphasis that has been laid upon tahajjud, unlike other nawafil uh, prayers. And of course, the, the 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 difference would be that we go to bed, we 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 uh, we are expected to have some sleep and then wake up for tahajjud prayer. So the extra effort and the mm. sacrifice of sleep that is involved makes this the the this uh, tahajjud prayer, the nafil prayer, which is offered in the morning, uh, a lot more rewarding 
because we are making that special sacrifice, there is obviously greater reward in this uh, in this prayer. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for um, clarifying that as well. Talking about Sahajar prayer in particular, as we you know we're talking about this um, on our show. Prayers in Islam, uh, which are the five obligatory prayers, they are normally done, uh, or they are told uh, to be done in congregation, um, particularly in the mosque. Now, what about the tahajjud prayer? The, does that need a congregation as well? Do they can they be offered in congregation, or is it better to do it in person? Or, you know, I mean, individually. Yeah. So with tahajjud prayer, uh, it is possible uh, to do both ways. I mean, uh, if uh, Tajid prayer is offered in congregation, it would not be wrong. We have both practices uh, from the uh, from the practice uh, of the Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. For instance, there's one narration in Bukhari where it says that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam slept and then woke up in the morning and there was this companion, a young boy at that time, uh, who was with him and he stood up uh, by his side um, to offer the prayer, and, and, and uh, you know, he, he, the Prophet wasallam even moved him to, towards his right side. So we have that uh, example of the Holy Prophet wasallam doing that in congregation. There are some other narrations about that as well, but hmm. the, the, uh, the main way, the, the priority should be given to offering the Hajjad individually, like on your own, instead of in congregation. Uh, you know, and that was the practice of the Holy Prophet ﷺ for most of his life. So, congregational tahajjud was an exception. It was not the rule. The rule was to offer the tahajjud prayer uh, on your own, right. uh, because you want that time to to recite the Quran, uh, to to uh, offer you know prayers in sajda. So you want that privacy uh, in in, in tahajjud prayer that you would not have if you were offering it in congregation, mm-hmm. right? So in our Jamaat, we have we have uh, the practice that on special occasions, we do have Tajit prayer. For instance, recently with the Jasa Salana, uh, we had the Tajit prayer in the morning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And we we see that the tahajjud prayer is not uh, you know it's a voluntary prayer as you mentioned that it is a form of nawafil as well in the best form of nawafil but it is a form of nawafil. Now the nawafil are you know as as it says in its name it's they they're voluntary, they're done you know out of compulsion. But w- what is the point then in, in praying in them if you know the five daily prayers if if that is enough? Then what is sort of the are there more blessings in the tahajjud prayer? What's the you know what's the reason behind that one? Well, a part of the answer I already gave with uh, when we were talking earlier about the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam doing this and whatever we know about prayers comes to us from the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Yes, and because he he offered these prayers regularly and whatever he did, we try to follow him. Um, in Islamic jurisprudence, we have categories of prayers. Uh, you have mentioned uh, the prayers, the couple of categories all, already. There are the obligatory prayers, the first prayers, then there is the sunnah prayer, and then there's the nawafil. Hmm. Among the nawafil or voluntary prayers, the hajjad has the highest uh, position. It has the highest, uh, the, it has the high, highest reward. Hmm. There is a narration uh, from Hazrat Abu Huraira radiallahu he says, "Anna Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam qala, 'Yanzilu Rabbuna tabaraka wa taala kulla laylatin ila samai dunya hina yabka sulusul laylil akhiru fa yakulu mayyadouni 
فاستجيب له ومن يسالني فاوتيه ومن يستغفرني فاغفر له which means that the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that oh that our lord um the blessing the blessed and exalted descends every night to the lowest heaven hmm. when one third of the latter part of the night is left and says who supplicates to me so that i may answer him who asks me so that i may give it to him who asks me for forgiveness so that i may forgive him so it's special time to be offering nafal prayer uh, at uh, that early part of the night uh, uh, early part of the uh, the latter part of the night mm-hmm. uh, you know just before before dawn because again you, you when we get up uh, at that time we are sacrificing sleep only so that we can offer a voluntary prayer so we're making, we're putting a lot of effort uh, you know to 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 get up and, and sacrificing our sleep uh, to offer something that we are not even required to do so obviously that uh, kind of sacrifice which is voluntary would have a much greater reward as opposed to some doing something which uh, we are obligated to do like the first prayer right. which is the fajr prayer for instance right. because uh, you know obligatory prayers are are things that we are told that if you don't do it it would be sinful and there's a there is an accountability for that exactly. but the hajj prayer is something that we're doing on on our own right right exactly beautifully put that now when we talk about uh, the tahajjud prayers and somebody wants to actually get into the habit uh, of that how many how many rakat does one need to pray anyway i mean is it is is it eight or is it you can simply just pray two or is there more than that or less than that what, what what's the what's the amount of uh, of that we we do have the example of the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam offering eight rakat hmm. um that is one model to follow and that is obviously a good standard uh to, to or a good goal uh to 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 try to achieve hmm. um there is a quotation of the promised messiah peace be upon him a short quotation that i would like to share yes. where he explains this so he says our jamaat should make it incumbent upon itself to offer tahajjud hmm. anyone who cannot do more should make at a minimum two rakat hmm. because he will get an opportunity to make some supplications right. right and then he says supplications made at this time have a very special characteristic because they are off through pain and eagerness so in other words you know the habit is more important trying to do it regularly is more important and if you cannot do more at least just two rakat you should try and offer at that time absolutely absolutely and just before um we let you go as well how can someone who who is you know wants to now get into the habit or build that habit uh, get into the routine of waking up for the hajj on a regular basis not just a one off not just during the month of ramadan but you know make that a part of his or her life how can sort of how can he do that because waking up for the you know especially living in these sort of countries and I mean specifically speaking about the UK where the fajr prayer the morning prayer is or the dawn pre-dawn prayer is so early in the morning how can we get into the habit of waking up for tahajjud even before that right uh, there is a there is a wonderful book remembrance of allah hmm. by the second caliph of the ahmadiyya muslim community hazrat mirza bashiruddin mahmud ahmad may allah be pleased with him where he has listed 13 ways to get up for tahajjud hmm. uh this book is available for download uh on alislam.org 
just type in the search bar, remember Spella. Go to page 34 and you will see uh, the methods listed. Just to give you a quick hint of what those methods are, right. uh, he talks about using an alarm clock, for instance, obviously, right? Yeah. And then he talks about, uh, you know, how it is a law of nature that everything reverts to its original state if similar circumstances reappear. Um, and, and then he talks about how if you are offering zikr after Isha prayer, hmm. right, which is late into the night, right. the more zikr you pro- perform, the earlier you will get up for zikr in the morning. So it will have this natural impact on your biological clock where you're offering zikr late in the evening and then you get up early in the morning. For It's easier to get up early in the morning, morning for, for the same uh, zikr. Uh, another example of a method he listed is is to perform wuzu, ablution, before going to bed. So that cleanliness and that it puts you into that mode of uh, you know being clean and being uh, with ablution before you are you're going to bed. And uh, that cleanliness, that spirituality, helps you in the morning uh, to get up earlier. So these are just quick uh, you know small habits that we can form uh, that can help us get up for tahajjud more easily so you can consult the book to to read all the details absolutely absolutely well thank you so much for for joining us uh, imam farhan iqbal uh, missionary of the ahmadiyya muslim community from uh, serving in canada zakala once uh, once again and uh, assalamu alaikum wa peace be upon you thank you for having me wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah yeah that was the conversation that we were having with uh, imam farhan iqbal er, iqbal earlier and um, very interesting towards the end, of course, um, giving a few suggestions, uh, tips as to how we can try to, you know, be more regular in uh, the, uh, you know, the, the tahajjud prayer, the uh, midnight prayer or the, the night voluntary prayer. It's it's definitely not easy. Um, it does require sacrifice. That's why this prayer has such a big reward. But there are things that you can do um, to create that habit to make sure that you are waking up Um, and of course you may not be able to do that every single day but if you have a habit of uh, say you know sleeping early um, and and I remember listening to I think one question answer of uh, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and I think there was a there was a a young child or you know a teenager who asked him that, "What can we do to wake up for uh, the tahajjud prayer, the, the the prayer at night?" And he said that one way you can do that is to is is to to make a firm, uh, you know, uh, firm uh, intention. yes, firm intention um, during the uh, before going to sleep yeah. that you are going to wake up at this time. And he said that keep doing that, and that there's no better alarm clock than your own, hmm. um, your own self. Isn't that what the world tells you as well? Exactly. It's all a, it's it's all a mind game. If yeah. you set your mind to it, that's how you can achieve it. You can do everything. And um, with this, I think I mean from from personal experience as well. Hmm. I, I believe um, there was an article as well in correct me from Al Hakam. I think it was written by by. Uh, Imam Fatih Tahir and he, he spoke about this as well how how do you develop that habit how do you make sure that natural alarm clock which is in your head which is your 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 conscious or whatever you want to mm. call it how how to basically activate that yeah I mean look from the 
history of mankind you know yeah. they didn't have you know phones back uh, back no. in the days they didn't have alarm clocks but people knew that you know farmers for example people who were working in the fields they knew yeah. that before sunrise we have to be up and and yeah. go and do our work and and whether they came back and slept a little bit more we don't know but obviously it shows that they had that discipline that they had adjusted themselves to be able to do that that's a that's you know we never think about yeah. this a time where you didn't have alarm clocks yeah. think about this. I know when, when we talk about the hajj at the time of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him when he used to wake up there were no time clock there yeah. were no alarm clocks i mean Yes, for when it comes to the morning prayer, the Fajr prayer, you would have the person calling calling the call for prayer. That would be your basically sign that now it is time. So you have 10, 15 minutes, whatever. Um, so you can make your way to the mosque. Mm. But when he was doing his voluntary prayers at night, how how would he wake up? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's it's the priorities that we set. It's the willpower. It? And yes, the, the willpower and the, and the prayers. Exactly. So... When we look at so the way you described it, so you have seventy to ninety minutes before the morning prayer. That's when the time for this voluntary prayer for the the Hajj prayer finishes and ends. So that means you have you have to cut off your sleep in the middle of the night mm. when you usually in the la- in the latter part of the night where you are in deep sleep. You have to wake up. You have to disrupt. You have to interrupt that sleep and wake up. Now. One may argue that where health experts advise at least eight hours straight sleep, this, as I said, causes, you know, that broken sleep. So how can it have, and that's something that we say, that Mm -hmm. how it has health benefits. How is that possible? Um, And can less sleep actually be good for you? Well, according to historian Roger E. Kiech, many of our modern health problems have roots in the way that we ignore the body's natural preference for broken sleep. Um, So Roger's research found that before the discovery of artificial lights, humans slept for a few hours before waking to engage in activities and then going back to sleep. You also have Dr. Tamara Gray, who's the founder of Robata, an uh, organization dedicated to promoting positive cultural change, who has written extensively on sleep and prayer and... Dr. Shamara says that it is time to examine our expectations of sleep as a source of energy. While there is no doubt that the human body needs sleep, there is also no doubt that the human soul needs prayer to stay energized, to uh, stay healthy and hopeful. Mm. Interesting, isn't it? Very interesting because, you know, with, with, with the smartwatches that you're wearing, like mine, yeah, obviously, yeah. I, I can see how much I'm sleeping. Yeah. Uh, because if I wear this and go to sleep, yeah. it will tell me that yeah. you slept, you know, six hours, seven hours or whatever. Uh, normally, it's around yeah. five, six hours. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, people on the health side, you know, are very much pushing that, you know, you need to sleep eight hours. Yeah. And even the app also says that you should sleep eight hours Is it? as a minimum. Yes. Yeah. Because that's that's the that's the target, but people forget that you. One thing is that are you gonna just focus on your physical well-being and yeah. completely, ignore. you know, uh, ignore your soul? That your soul also needs some kind of you know exercise. It yeah. needs to to stay in touch with its creator. And on the other side as well, back in the days, as you as you mentioned, people were able to wake up. And also, if you look at the pattern of your sleep then there are times that you are in deep sleep and yeah. it's very difficult to wake yeah. up from that and then you go through some light sleep periods mm. 
which you can wake up from and we do wake up if yeah. there is some some important thing or if a child is crying you yeah, know you yeah. have to wake up so again i think it's about uh, that willpower it's about that discipline and and priority so if you do uh, make that uh, priority and uh, you know you wake up uh, spend half an hour or 40 minutes in prayers and then go back to sleep mm. in many instances you will get the best sleep after that as yeah. well <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about that when the soul and the body are exhausted as they are for most people today it can feel like no amount of rest will ever be enough mm. so it's not about the rest that we do it's about what how do you take care as you said that physical exercise that we need sometimes to just to keep up with with our physical body the same thing with with the spiritual side with our soul to have that connection with god almighty to give that phys- that spiritual food that uh, the body or, or the soul needs Hazrat Abu Hurairah, one of the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, narrated that the Holy Prophet said, Satan puts three knots at the back of the head of any of you if he is asleep. On every knot he reads and ex- exhales the following words, The night is long, so stay asleep. When one wakes up and remembers Allah, one knot is undone. And, one, and when one performs ablution, the second knot is undone. And when one prays, the third knot is undone and one gets up energetic with a good heart in the morning. Otherwise, one gets up lazy and with a mischievous heart. Mm. Very interesting. Mm. Um, we're going to speak to Hashim Mirza who's uh, joining us um, on the phone. Um, Hashim is a second year medical student, been with us uh, here on Voice of Islam before as well. Um, Hashim, assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Welcome to the Rapt, I'm sure. How are you doing? Welcome, Salaam Al-Wissab. Jazakallah for having me once again. Thank you. Um, how important has your um, affiliation with the mosque, uh, connection with the mosque been in influencing you and, uh, you know, making you closer to your faith, to your mosque, to your community? Mm. I think that's a really, really good question. Um, and I think, to be honest, the answer to that is the masjid in itself has been absolutely essential and, influ- and influential for, like, the love of for the love of my faith and my closeness and attachment um and i think there's a reason why obviously the current head of the ahmadiyya muslim community mallah strength in his hand has uh, always kind of reminded and told us the importance of going and you know regularly fulfilling our rights to the masjid because just by being in a place like that with people with you know uh correct moral mindsets and good beliefs it really makes you quite at feel at peace in that sense and praying you know shoulder to shoulder with your brother with your brothers it really does kind of give you that uh loving and attachment and it's not just prayers it's also the classes that um we have as you know young children and now uh, and just meeting other people uh who would like minded kind of um with like minded morals and beliefs you know during sports and other events it really has made me that that masjid has been a place where i have been you know, really grown and attached to the love of um, to love my religion islam alhamdulillah okay that's very good to know and uh, i think that's the case obviously with the you know the youth of the ahmadiyya muslim community which is very very crucial uh, in this day and age where um what was it i think uh, the the recent survey done um which was in the news as well in the last few days that hmm. uh, less than half of uh, people in the UK now consider that themselves associated with the religion wow 
Hashim, do you think that young people, you being a uh, second-year medical student, young young people especially underestimate the power of of this prayer because we, you know, in some uh, groups of people and some parts of the world, you might find that oh, this is something that you do when you get old. This is something when you, mm. you know, when you are spiritually on that level. That's when you start waking up for these voluntary mm. prayers. Let me just fix my. My my obligatory first, and then um, then we'll get to <laughs> then we'll get to the exit part. Do you think that's the case? Um, I think again, that's a quite a difficult question. Um, but to be honest, probably yes, because nowadays we have a um, you know in terms of NYC, in terms of different people, we see a whole range of different people, people who are like you said, quite young and kind of hmm. don't really want to get involved in that sense with the um, kind of even the obligatory prayers or um, with the the hajjid prayers and. Uh, and then on the flip side, you see people who are, you know, really attached and really want to um, engage with prayer and activity like that. So it's a difficult question, but I say I'd say definitely the rise of kind of things like social media and other distractions where people get that core kind of instant uh, satisfaction from opening their phone, flicking through social mm-hmm. media, that instant pathway, which you know people don't really receive in the same physical, worldly sense that prayers do. It, people, I think, people underestimate the time that people need to give to prayer and the power that it holds just because they don't really give it that effort and time in the first place. So yeah, I think that's a good point. And especially nowadays with young people, it can be quite difficult because of those worldly distractions like you mentioned. Hmm. How big of a role do you think your parents, um, as well as, you know, uh, people around you that, uh, um, you know, have, have connection with the mosque, the elders, Maybe your local murabi. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> how, how much of an influence has, has that been? No, me. I, I, I mean your your He's parents. My role model. <laughs> <laughs> no, murabi. Have you been a back influence? Well? Don't worry about that. <laughs> no, but no, definitely. I think having being in a household where, alhamdulillah, um, my parents, my grandparents, uh, and even my relatives have all been attached to Jamaat in very strong ways. It does help because you're growing up in a kind of household and an environment where you're always reminded of the importance of your faith and the importance of not being distracted by so many worldly distractions especially nowadays when i'm at uni you know there's so many easy easy kind of dopamine inducing activities like you know, going out and drinking and um you know having fun in that sense and not kind of worrying about prayers but i think growing up in a household which has grounded me in the sense to remember prayers and remember my religion you're definitely right in saying that it definitely helps, you know, holding on to my faith. Absolutely. Um, so, Hashim, how, how can people truly engage in the essence of uh, uh, prayer where there are so many worldly distractions? I mean, uh, mm. uh, certainly as, as, as a student, you, you, you know the environment. Um, you know, of course, the studies are, are one part. Obviously, medical studies are not easy, like with any heavy studies. Plus, people prioritize different things. And people don't really understand or perhaps uh, realize that, you know, this is this is also a priority. Well, it, in fact, this is the biggest priority. Hmm. <laughs> I think, Marabi Sab, you're probably much more experienced to answer this question. <laughs> but um, I guess coming from a young, from a person, from kind of the, the young card perspective, if you, have, if you will, um, I think one of the observations that I've seen is a lot of people, the biggest complaint when it comes to, you know, praying, and having the essence of prayer is time. And that uh, people will always say, oh, we'll do it later, oh, we have no time. 
it's, it's so busy now, so hectic with the exam schedule, with X, Y, Z things that you have to, people have to do. So I think one thing that you know has helped me kind of always remember to um, to pray and always remember to trying to wake up for my fajrs and my dhajrs is really just scheduling it in and make that a priority when you're scheduling your day. Because once you schedule your day around dhajrs and fajr and all the other obligatory prayers and extra prayers that you can offer, it's really helped me have not not only perform all of my obligatory prayers and my dhajr prayers in the morning, but also has given me a sense of routine as well. And it's been really important in the sense that once you inculcate that time into your day where you can pray, I think there you, you open up the door to really engage in the essence of prayer and kind of get the best out of it. So for a lot of people, it's just breaking that initial boundary, that initial, sorry, that kind of initial problem that people face of time. So by scheduling it in, you can kind of break that problem of obtaining the essence of prayer step by step, if that makes sense. Wonderful. Hashem, <clears throat> the power of prayer is not necessarily getting what you want, but being content with what God Almighty wills for you, what He has in plan for you. Um, and sometimes it's it's difficult to understand that. Sometimes we want mm-hmm. things and we ask for things, but we don't get them. And that kind of, it, it doesn't go down well with, with, yeah. with everyone. How can How can young people especially understand this concept is there enough awareness of that and and if you don't get what you ask for necessarily right there and then or uh, how how do you deal with that mm. i guess a pretty interesting point and um i think i've also obviously and it's a good point because i remember reading you know the books of the Prophet where he mentions that especially people younger people before like the age of 40 or so where when we pray we always have that especially when they're kind of younger we always pray with kind of worldly intentions and wanting to get the best for us in that sense and that's almost part of being young and growing up and i think i we've all i've definitely been a victim to that um so and it's really easy to fall into the trap of praying for what we think we want and what and not necessarily what is best for us because we don't know but i think one piece of advice that i've always been given and what my my grandfather's always told me is that when we're praying when we're in that kind of sajda is just to remember to just say thank you to Allah and give thanks to Allah for what he has given us because you know, there's no way we would have made it to the place we are today in everybody's life without Allah's will so just by thanking Allah and remembering that it kind of gives you that sense of hang on I'm not praying just to get what I want like a genie in that sense but you're praying to your creator and your lord who will, who has the best intentions for you obviously <coughs> at all times hmm. and that has for me, when I'm kind of having that kind of thoughts of, oh, why didn't I smash this exam? Or, oh, why haven't I got this so-and-so piece of reward? It reminds me that just being thankful to Allah, whatever happens, you know, I will get the best for it. And what's, whatever's going to happen in my life will, God willing, be the best for me. So just by that, it's really helped me remember the importance of prayers and what it requires in that sense. Brilliant, Hashim. Uh, well done um, to you, of course. Um, and all the best for your studies, alhamdulillah. You know, uh, we're proud of you. Keep going. <laughs> well Thank you very much. Take care, Thank buddy. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu You can uh, give us a call. Uh, we're talking about uh, the voluntary uh, prayer at night, tahajjud prayer, which has huge significance and importance and reward uh, in Islam. Um, as we said in the beginning of the show, in Islam, uh, there are five obligatory prayers, but these prayers uh, are the voluntary prayers. But out of all the voluntary prayers, the Tahajjud prayer has the highest significance. And the Holy Prophet, 
Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stressed upon this as well as he himself acted upon this uh, throughout his uh, life. Raza, you know, when Hashim was, talk- uh, Hashim was talking about uh, being thankful to Allah the Almighty, uh, you know, it reminded me of this uh, uh, saying or account of um, the wife of the Holy Prophet, yeah. uh, Sallam, Hazrat Aisha, Razilatallah, may Allah be pleased with her. That she she used to see the prophet stand up in 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 the night prayers um, so regularly and for for hours and hours uh, till his feet would get you know swollen hmm. um, out of just you know standing and being in pain and she would ask that why if Allah the Almighty has you know you're the prophet of God you're the best of the creation God Almighty has chosen you with all his blessings you don't need to worry about anything you're going to paradise so yeah. why why would you put yourself through all that pain uh, every night and and the prophet say, said that you know Aisha should I not be thankful to Allah so I think that is a beautiful it's, reminder I'm, I'm telling you I've said this I think a million times here on the draft this is my absolute favorite narration because mm. it we take things for granted so many times mm. I mean look at our life look at the, the blessings that God Almighty has given us and it wasn't that he lived a life of luxury right I mean it, it, com- combine this with uh, some of the allegations that are raised against the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him that oh he was uh, God forbid lustful and had so many wives and, and all that physical that garbage that is thrown at him mm. There's a narration as well, um, also I believe reported by Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, where she says that he would wake up in the middle of the night and he would ask permission from her that, oh Aisha, is it okay if I go worship my Lord? Mm. And, and she said, of course, O Prophet of Allah, how can I deny you that, that, that right? And combine this with that. So we believe, as Muslims, we believe that he was the best of creation. He was a perfect man. He was the one about whom God Almighty stated that, O Prophet, that O Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, if I had not created you, I, I would not have bothered to create this universe. Because it was through him, and of course, all the prophets of God Almighty, that we learned about mm. our Creator. But it was, in our we, in our eyes, in our view, the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that showed us, a, I wouldn't say a complete picture, but it's a, it's a very broad and very detailed picture of who and what God is. Mm. What are his qualities? What are his attributes? How do we connect with him? What do we do to please God Almighty? So all of these things about heaven and hell, everything that was told to us and is known to us mm. through the Holy Quran, through the narrations, all of that came through the Prophet uh, of Islam. Now he went through you know that rigorous process of receiving revelation. If you just look at that itself, that I account mean, is, uh, is just mind boggling, isn't it? Yeah. And that that physical toll that it had on his body. Just think about that. God is communicating with you. And when you look at the narrations, they say that when the Prophet of Allah, when he would receive revelation and we would sit next to him, we would see that uh, sweat. Would 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 start to flow from his forehead, and this was in, shivering in cold yeah. days. Mm. We're talking about cold days, mm. and he would sit there, and all of a sudden he would start sweating, and we would know that this is, you know, he's receiving revelation right mm. now. So all of this he's done for who? For us, mm. right? So that then following 
people, the, the, the generations to come, the Muslims and, and, and the world itself, that we could benefit from, mm. from the teachings of Islam, we could benefit from Islam. And when he says that, and he knows, you know, for example, if I know, <laughs> how, many, how many people do win in a lottery? Mm. So they win in the lottery, they know they're set for life. Yeah. What's the first thing they do? Give up work. The first thing is they start splashing money. Mm. Not all of them, but most of them. Um, if I know that nothing is going to happen to me if I come late for work, nothing's going to happen. Will I still try my best to get there on time? I won't. If I know if I run a red light and nothing's going to happen to me, I won't get a ticket, then I'll probably think about, oh, yeah, why not? I can run the red light. But he knew that all the shortcomings, they're not sins. We, we don't believe that prophets can commit sin. But the shortcomings that they have, past, present, and future, all forgiven. And that's exactly what Hazrat Aisha said, right? Mm. She said, O Prophet of Allah, God has forgiven you all of those. Mm. You are guaranteed paradise. So you're guaranteed to be forgiven. You don't have to do anything. Yes, of course, if God Almighty has said that you need to do your prayers, then you do your prayers. But why go to such an extent mm. that your body is telling you this is too much? Mm. Your feet start to swell up. And, and all of that hardship that you go through. And just, just one single sentence. Mm. Oh, Aisha, should I not be a grateful servant of Allah? Yeah. So if he can do that, if he goes to that level, mm. we do not have any excuse whatsoever <laughs> to, to not be yeah. grateful. Why, why can't we make exactly. a humble effort to try to yeah. do our prayers, try to wake up at night? Why we we do wake up at night, don't we? If, yeah, if a child is crying, of course, yeah. If 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 your partner is sick, yeah, you do wake up. You I know? mean, I, you I do wake up because you genuinely care. Yeah, we we were talk we talk about social media and and all of the negative impact and and the negative things that that social media has. But I, I'll I'll be honest, there's there's a lot of knowledge that you can find. There's a lot a lot of good things that you find on social media as well. Just the other day, I was listening to uh, it was just a clip that came randomly. I think of, I don't know it was on one of the social media platforms, mm. and that was a Muslim brother. He was talking about um, you know I won't cr take the credit for it. He was talking about how as as Muslims we when we have issues waking up in the morning. When you go, what time is it? It's 4.47. So it's, it's, it's just basically in the middle of the day. But it's dark outside, right? Mm. At around Isha time, which is, what, 7.30, 7.45, around 8, 8 p.m., if you go outside, you will see people walking their dogs. Mm. You will see people going to work. You see people running, exactly, exercising. Exactly, exercising, yeah. all of these things. And if you go to the park in the morning, you will see the same thing. Mm. You will see people walking their dogs. You will see people going for a run. You will see people going for work. And they are doing this, one, for a dog, for their own personal health. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're doing this for the families to support them and go to work. Um, many times work that you, they don't even like. Mm. So here are we expected to wake up, which these days, 6.30. For who? For God. God who has given us every single thing that we have in our life. Mm. God who has blessed us with a family. God who has blessed us with life, with health, with joy, with food, everything. S certain things without even us asking for mm. it. And we cannot wake up for him. Mm. 
I mean, where are our priorities? Where where does God come into the this whole equation? And that's that's the thing. I mean, it's there for us to reflect. It's there for us to yeah. to think about. And this, of course, as you said in the very beginning, if you look at the Arabic definition or where that word tahajjud actually comes from, it is a struggle. Mm. It is to strive. It is to to put yourself in hardship because mm. without. Yeah, as I say, no pain, no gain. Exactly. There is no reward. There is no um, blessings. There is no positive outcome if there is no struggle. Exactly. And to expect that you will spiritually be exalted or you will spiritually progress, you you become close to God or to have that. Many people have that uh, issue. Oh, we, we don't know God or we can't yeah. get, in, you know, we cannot feel God. We cannot hear him. We cannot see him. Well, we have to make an effort, like yeah. we make an effort for our health, like we make an effort for our education or work or career. You need to make an effort. If I was to start, you know, hitting the gym right now, I won't feel it in a week. I won't see any results <laughs> in, in in two weeks even. This is going to take me time. But if I don't see any results after a week, I'm not going to give up. You can't give up. You yes, can't exactly. give up, right? That That's what it is. It takes time. And that's the same thing. When 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 we accept that for our physical bodies, why do we not accept the same thing for for our spiritual spiritual soul? Absolutely, and um, you know when it comes to the uh, morning prayers, we've talked about prayers as well. How 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 important it is for our soul, uh, but also for your mental health as well, because we have spoken about prayers. How how people actually people go to the gym in the morning. Really, people would wake up do some sort of meditation and yoga in the morning and people would say that that is important for them to have a healthy um you know a mind and the prayer in itself gives you that that uh, solution um this is just one of the um you know the the scientific advantages as well but of course if you look away from from the most important point which is the the, the spiritual uh, benefits then there are also physical benefits for example research shows us that you know the uh, prayer prayers or the, this kind of uh, of dedication can improve blood circulation for example if you see the way the muslims you know pray uh, they go through different positions different motions during the prayer from standing to bowing down to actually going into prostration sitting down uh moving throughout uh, those positions many limbs are used and the palms of our hands to our head all of these are used in these movements and these accelerate blood circulation um, then lifting both palms during the hajjud prayer can also open uh, lung cavities hence the blood flow to the lung lungs become more fluent as well other benefits include relaxing neck muscles preventing back pain and preventing stiffness in the legs Standing up straight again, that posture um, can help you as well. In relation to this, uh, we also find the saying of the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is reported to have said, Inna fi salati shifa, that surely there is cure in salat. So um, certainly the, 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 the main and most significant cure is the cure that your soul achieves in salat, but certainly... There are also other aspects that uh, physically can improve the health of a human being. 
According to a Muslim scholar, as reported in the monthly Urdu magazine, uh, Tahzibul Akhlaq, uh, which is, I think, published from India, a Muslim who offers Salat regularly has very little chance of getting arthritis as we exercise our bones and joints while we offer Salat. So the chances are, are reduced, of course. Mm. You cannot say for, for, for sure that it's not going to happen, but it does reduce those uh, chances when you are engaged in prayers. So from uh, that magazine, Al-Hakam magazine, a young boy asked His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed, the current caliph of the Yemeni Muslim community, may Allah strengthen his hand, that how, how can one get used to offering this voluntary prayer? How can we make it a habit in offering Tahajjid prayer? And His Holiness said that it all depends on one's willpower, something that we were talking about before. He told the boy that he should try and wake up 30 minutes before he usually does for Fajr prayers, the morning prayer. And His Holiness said that when you become used to that time and offer two nawafil or two rakat of the Hajjad, then in this way you can adjust your time so that you can give more time to the Hajjad prayer. But this is all dependent on your willpower. Mm. Again, I mean, it's yeah. crucial. It all comes down to your willpower, your desire to make that effort, your desire to remember God Almighty in the middle of night when the whole world is resting, sleeping. Uh, that is the, 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 the biggest sacrifice that one can make. Hmm. 0208-687-7878 is the number to call. You can also tweet at uh, Voice of Islam UK if you wish to send in uh, your comments. Um, if you want to talk about you know your own experiences of... Uh, of the Hajjud prayers and how you are able to make yourself regular in that, then do share that with us and our listeners. We'll love to hear from you. Uh, we're going to look at a question that was asked um, uh, to uh, the Caliph of the Amni Muslim community um, that what sort of prayer um, does His Holiness make in the Hajjud and in, in which kind of order? So let's have a listen to that. Beloved Hazur, my question is that when you offer tahajjud prayers, what prayers do you make and in which order? You see, the Prophet said that I pray for myself, that Allah gives me the sound health so that I can try to get closer to Allah more than before. And then I pray for my community members, my friends, my children. So, in this way, you have to pray for yourself, for the mission of the Prophet and the Holy Prophet to spread the message of Islam all across the world and then for your siblings, for your parents and later on for other people. So this is the normal order but sometimes if there's any incident arises then I pray for that, right? Exactly. Okay, so that was the question asked uh, to um, His Holiness and uh, the, not the previous one that we wrongly played. So apologies for that. But uh, of course, the scope of, of prayers, as His Holiness said, should be, uh, uh, should be large, not just limited to yourself, but also praying for others, praying uh, for your own relationship with God Almighty and uh, also praying for your own family and, um, and, and everyone around you and um, everyone that you can think of. So that is the... Uh, the answer to that and of course you know when we are praying we have that opportunity to pray for anything that we uh, want um, of course 
when the question is um, about about prayers, of course, we, we talked about this in the beginning, hmm. um, remembering Allah the Almighty, praising Him. Um, a lot of time uh, people might ask, why do we need to praise God Almighty when when he's the the most praiseworthy and which he he he's the creator of heavens and the earth mm. he doesn't need our prayers does no, uh, no. our praise does he it's 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 us mm. who are in need right <clears throat> i think that's a, it's always a very common uh, misunderstanding it's a very basic i believe uh, allegation by people who who kind of you know ridicule mock whatever you want to call it uh, religious people God is not in need of our prayers. What what is it that we achieve through the prayers? Mm. So the benefit that that we get when we are asking for something and that is given to us, who's benefiting from that? Is it God who's benefiting from that? God, if I'm asking God Almighty, if I'm asking Allah for um, miraculous uh, recovery of a family member or a beloved or a friend of mine mm. who is I don't know struck by lightning or in a car accident whatever it is and he's in hospital or she's in hospital and I'm asking God Almighty that oh God please help me give give that person health and miraculously out of the the blue Against all odds, that person is cured, that person gets health. Now, you tell me, was God in need of me asking for that? He wasn't. Who gave what? God gave from him, he gave recovery to that person. Mm. So he gave that. Yeah. I didn't I didn't do anything for that. I, yeah. I only asked. Yeah. So I'm the one who benefited from that. So if God is not in need of our prayers, then who is we are mm, right? that that that's ultimately what it boils down to, and, and of course th- those uh, praises uh, in in the prayers that we we do is to actually remind ourselves exactly that these are the attributes of Allah yes. the Almighty, and if we remember these yeah. and ask for our needs, keeping them in mind, then yeah. you know we will get what we want. And I think in 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 religious scripture, <laughs> not just uh, I'm thinking specifically in mm. the Christian uh, in, in the Christian faith when when it says that man has been created in the image of God. Yeah. It's not the physical image of God. I mean, I think every, every, it, yeah. every everybody knows about yeah. that by now. It's in the qualities and the attributes that God has that we can <coughs> inculcate in ourselves. Mm. We can apply those things and we can try to work into uh, our life, those qualities. When he says that I am merciful, when he says that I am forgiven, when he says that I do cover up the faults of other, when he says that I do answer the prayers. So these things are there for us to apply in our lives mm. and to pe- and to become merciful towards our fellow human beings, to become gracious, to become those who cover up the faults of others when it benefits them. Absolutely. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight uh, is the number to call. We should always pray that may God enable us to fulfill our duties um, to Him, um, for duties of worship uh, of Allah the Almighty, and also make a concerted effort towards that by dedication and willpower. We're coming up towards the news um, here at Voice of Islam radio station. Join us after the news. We will talk about another topic that is coming up for you. You're listening to Voice of Islam. This is The Drive Time Show and here is your news. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. 
Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. <coughs> Welcome back to the Drive Time Show here on Voice of Islam radio station. If you're just tuning in, we were just uh, talking about uh, prayers and the voluntary prayers in the, pre- uh, in the previous hour. However, now we're going to talk about something different. Uh, we're going to talk about teachers, whether teachers are undervalued and unappreciated, especially here in the UK. Mm. Um, it's been a discussion that we have, uh, you know, looked at before as well. But we're going to start off with a verse of the Holy Quran, which uh, obviously will guide us uh, in this matter. Uh, we read in chapter two, verse one hundred and thirty in the Holy Quran, where Allah the Almighty says, "And our Lord raise up among them a messenger from among themselves, who may recite to them thy signs and teach them the book and wisdom, and may purify them. Surely thou art the mighty, the wise." So what we learn from this verse, of course, is the importance of prophets and especially importance of the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, who was given signs, who was given wisdom and knowledge from God Almighty that he then taught and gave and, uh, you know, distributed to other people. So teaching, again, is very central to Islam, of course. That's all we, mm-hmm. we, we rely on in terms of uh, gaining uh, knowledge. But not just religious uh, aspect. Uh, teaching and everything is uh, uh, education and learning uh, from everything and anything is, um, you know, encouraged in Islam, brother. Yeah, absolutely. So on that, we're asking you a question on our Instagram poll. As we go to our Instagram story, teachers are underappreciated so four options that we are giving you if you totally agree with that if you somewhat agree with that if you're not sure and if you disagree with that then you can go ahead and um, cast your vote and leave us a comment if you would like to do so no problem whatsoever but we'd love to hear from you if you are a teacher if you um, have someone in your family who is a teacher you can give us a call zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. so teachers are leaving careers they love in a last ditch effort to save their mental health but how did we get to this point amidst all the panic did we neglect our teachers and left them unsupported and unappreciated and that's the reason why we're talking about this and we would like to um, ask you to stay with us to find out why 52% of teachers here in the UK felt a decline in their mental health and at the start of the pandemic with no guidance with no help provided whatsoever hmm. I know uh a couple of teachers actually who, yeah. who were here in the UK, but they moved to UAE. Is it? Yeah. Wow. Because uh, you know the the paid is better, the system is better apparently, yeah. and uh, and for them the climate is better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they were like, look, that's everything good is good. <laughs> why? Why not? <laughs> that's a, that's a good move. Well, how are teachers really feeling? Let me just give you a few stats here. Half of the UK's school teachers say that the first stage of the pandemic took a toll on their mental health, whilst 67% of senior leaders who were working on-site at a school or college said that the lack of timely government guidance was a key challenge for them throughout. The tragic reality is that 77% of teachers experience poor mental health because of their work, whereas 72% reported being stressed and overworked. When asked, teachers in educational professions felt undervalued and unappreciated in relation to external relationships, including the government and education departments. And teachers also felt a lack of consistent and dominant clear guidance and direction from 
the UK government. Mm. And that is something that, look, I've, I've heard and listened to so many programs on this topic. And it is, unfortunately, it is true. Those people who are educating our next generation, the people that we entrust our children to every single day, yeah. they feel unappreciated. They feel undervalued. They feel overwhelmed by the task of whatever has, has been given to them. And specifically during the pandemic, and and and, and also on, on the pay side of things as well, yeah. they are not uh, appreciated in that sense. And not very long ago, there were advertisement everywhere that you know yeah. uh, need to have more teachers. Go get into t- teaching, exactly. you know, all make that a difference and, and all that stuff. But if <laughs> if you're if you're gonna promote that so much and not provide a platform yeah. Yeah. where they can yeah. actually enjoy their work and have a good platform to to work on, uh, be appreciated, you know have a have a good uh, you know uh, reward as well then yeah. then of course people are not going to be interested in if that. you look at the pandemic I, I to to come up with a plan all of a sudden your school is closed yeah done it's except you know the few kids that that can come key workers etc now how do you transit from that to teaching online something which I don't think many schools had experience with. I don't think people ever thought about this concept of teaching and 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 providing education online and all of a sudden within days you had to transition. Hmm. And if you didn't manage properly, who got the end stick of it? The teachers got it. Yeah. Who had to listen to the complaints of parents? Well, teachers did. Although it wasn't their fault, was it? Hmm. But they the way they managed I, mean, I i can only give the example of 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 the school that my son goes to we actually understood for the first time mm. i i understood for the first time the the work that teachers had to go through mm. the patience that these people have is unbelievable if you have to sit with your i i i challenge you If you have a child in primary school in year one, reception, year two, teach him for or her for a week and see right. where you end up. It's it's we're not we're not made for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people had to do that. Like, exactly. You know, homeschooling. And I, I, I didn't even have to teach him. I just had to sit there <clears throat> mm. and explain certain things to him and make sure that he's he was attending. The he classes, was attending yeah. the classes he's in front of the screen. And, and it wasn't a full program. So he had like one lesson, one lesson, do your own work. Then again, a lesson. And then again, you, you had some free time. So it was a, a, a light version of what a school mm. actually is. Mm. But. I I so appreciated teachers during that time. You have no idea. Yeah. Before I think a lot of people still think, oh, they have so much free time during the holidays. They get holidays like what five times a year. It's not the case. Even in the holidays, I know that teachers because there's a school right across from where I live. There's teachers in the school even doing holidays. Yeah. And the times by the time they leave from school, my goodness. It's like what five thirty, six o'clock. Sometimes even that, if you have a PE. And many uh, of teachers would would have to bring homeworks home to yeah, check it. Uh, yeah, sometimes yeah. even without. So I mean, I can I can wholeheartedly, yeah. you know, t- say and 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 affirm and 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 you know admit mm. that this might be one of the biggest um, issues that we have at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I remember um 
maybe a week ago we were talking about how schools actually will be struggling with the energy costs as well. Yeah. Put that on top of this. Yes, exactly. And and you basically you're basically putting your whole educational sector on, onto a breaking point. Yeah. And that doesn't you know show well for the future of uh, no. our our children and our people. Um, however, um, you know we we talked about this, and again we'll, we'll remind our listeners that Islam has paid considerable attention to teachers for very very long time since 1400 years ago uh prophets being our our, our biggest teachers mm. uh and a- anything uh from from there and um you know below uh people teaching the quran people religious teaching religious teachings people teaching about um you know other important uh things worldly things as well they there there is a, a compulsion almost to respect mm. your teacher and to be grateful to your teacher's hard work and of course also um in terms of uh, the system making sure that they get their fair share of uh, what they deserve um and they are the first brick in the structure of social development and perfection and the cause of guiding and developing behavior and ment- mentalities of individuals and of communities i mean I remember seeing a clip of uh, Ian Wright, you know, the 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 mm-hmm. footballer and who's now pundit on TV. And have you seen that clip where he actually meets his teacher wh- yeah, who he yeah, thought yeah, had yeah. passed had away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that clip is so emotional. You see how 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 emotional he becomes not yeah. only just seeing uh, that person because he thought he had passed away, but because of the difference that teacher had made mm. to him resulting in where he is now exactly and he had so much respect and emotional connection with that i mean every but i think i believe firmly believe that there's every single person who goes through education and through mm. schooling you have that one teacher that sticks out you have that one teacher who believed in you who you had that one teacher who sparked something in you sp- yeah. something in you mm. that 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 energy and that they sparked that that the curiosity for mm. you to pursue or to learn or whatever um and i was looking up i think it was in the in the book life of pi in which he said that i i i had the good fortune of having many teachers who came into my life to light up the darkness in my head and that's exactly what 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 teachers do ultimately isn't it yeah you go into the education sector you'd go into school you know everybody who has a child you can you can imagine that yourself just 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 think back to the time when you put your child in nursery mm. in reception and when they started to read and write when they started to put words together when they started to uh read complete sentences without you having to support them that was all done by the teachers yeah this is all done by our educators and we are entrusting the most most special things and the most um amazing person and people in our lives to these people yeah and i don't think you can put a price on that you could think, not you no. could not i was actually just uh, very lucky we were very lucky as well in, sure. in our education to be taught by some excellent teachers and i was i i would just happen to meet one of uh, our old uh, teachers yeah. from from jamia from yeah. the institution of uh, uh modern languages and the- theology of the md muslim community and <clears throat> we were just talking about this because 
I remember he he used to be strict as well, very yeah, strict. And, very strict. And <laughs> I think we're talking about the same person. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he used to push us to 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 an extent where you almost thought, you know, am I am I being humiliated here? You know, is he is he trying to like you know kill me? <laughs> but he he pushed you in terms of uh, your you know sparking something yeah, yeah. in you to see you know how much can you push yourself, how much can you read, how much yeah. can you be criticized and take on that criticism and improve yourself. I mean. And now looking back at it, you know, when when, when I met him, I was just saying, thank the, you. you know, the, that's the three back-to-back lessons. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. So, and and that was one of one of the subjects that I remember the most of. Exactly, same. One of the one of the things that I've learned the most in. That's the reason why Although I hated it at that time. Yeah, the, that is the reason why you would you would love that subject yeah, and and. Yeah. that subject was the holy quran you know exactly. so so that shows how much uh, of an impact teachers make uh, the holy prophet of islam uh, prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him cared for teachers and showed their elevated standings once he was passing by two circles of people and mm. this is a well known uh, hadith as well that um, the first group of people were worshiping they were uh, busy in remembering god while the other ones were listening to a teacher um and the prophet very interestingly you know we we talked about how much time he spent in prayers as well just just before this he commented uh while passing he said the first is begging to allah or or asking for allah who may or may not give mm. them what they're asking for the second one group is learning so and then he said i have been sent as a teacher yeah. and he went and, and joined those people who were learning that's not saying that there's anything you know less about worship but it actually shows that yeah you know how important uh, teaching education is hand in hand with your religious knowledge and prayers and and if you think about the first the start of revelation if you think about there's another narration which he says that the ink of a scholar is worth more currently wrong is it yeah. worth more but or has more significance than the blood of a martyr mm because you can impact more people you can cause more change through your your you know the education that you that you give to other people and when he talks about the the start of revelation the the start of revelation started with the word read, read. yeah iqra read it was a commandment of god almighty that read and and you know, b- b- being part of of uh, of a chapter of the holy quran in which it says that you should read in the name of your lord read and 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 spread that message to the world that there is one creator that there is one lord but it it started with education mm absolutely and uh, that education is key uh, to succeed in yeah. both religion and in uh, worldly aspect even the prophet also said you know you should you should travel long distances to seek knowledge yeah. even if you have to travel to china and uh, you know at that time if you keep in mind the mode of transport and uh, the distances um, that people had to travel uh, china and mecca or arabia is you know uh, very very yeah. uh, far so that shows us the importance of that the holy prophet of islam pr- uh, prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him uh, of course himself uh, was uh, you know the best of teachers he pay- played a huge role in in teaching the whole uh, you know muslim uh, community um and even his 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 uh, his wives as well were were crucial in teaching uh, the women of uh, mm. of uh, of islam um one uh, 
saying from Muawiyah uh, ibn al-Hakam, um, may Allah be pleased with him. He says that, by Allah, I have never seen a better teacher or a better teaching done before or since hmm. the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Because he did not rebuke me, he did not hit me, or he did not revile me. Our first guest for this part of the program is Alex Green. Alex is a deputy head teacher at a primary school, and we're going to talk to Alex and ask her a few questions about this topic. Good afternoon, peace upon you, and welcome to the Draft Time Show, Alex. Good to have you on. Hi, lovely to be here. Thank you for joining us today. Now, there's a few things that I mentioned in the beginning before you took on um, that 77% of teachers experience poor mental health because of the, their work. Uh, 72% reported being stressed and overworked. And we also looked at some figures from when the pandemic started, the first half, half or the first beginning of the pandemic. Um, keeping all of this in mind, do you think that we have neglected our teachers? Um, I, I think it depends who the we is. Um, so I work in a very busy Southwest London primary school and as a school, we've worked hard to make sure that our teachers are well supported hmm. and have what they need to enable them to teach well. Um, so I suppose the we as a country, um, you know, as, as an education system, I, I think it's a tough job and I think we probably underestimated um, the impact of the pandemic because of course whilst lots of people were working from home we were we were in school yeah. um, and we were also having <coughs> to juggle lots as lots of people were lots of different things so we were having to juggle some children in some children not in school making sure we engaged all those children um, that were working at home making sure we engaged the children within school making sure we gave them the same offer which was really tough so um not as a school no but potentially it, it's something to think about in terms of that the the pandemic did have quite a big impact on yeah. uh, teachers and you know children likewise mm. alex uh, you know before we talk about mental health of the teachers uh all qualified teachers apparently will have a starting salary of at least 28,000 and this will be slightly higher for teachers working in London. Uh, do you think that this is a fair salary with with the keeping in mind the the, the work and the pressure the hours the hours and then also we know people on similar um uh, you know salaries uh, especially rail workers have gone on, on strike should, yeah. should should is that a concern or do you think that teachers also should be given more? I don't think um, any teacher goes into the profession um, yeah. to make lots of money. I think you have to go into the prof profession because you want to really want to support um, children because um, the, the, the you know it, it's a busy, demanding job with long hours. You're never going to be financially rewarded the same as you would mm. in lots of jobs in the city. I think in London particularly, it's tough to live on that and certainly as a school uh, our staff retention is quite challenging because the cost of living is increasing and our teachers cannot afford to live in London and we, we are losing some really good people because they're choosing to live in other parts of the country where it's more affordable. All right now um so we are talking about the the mental health of of our teachers. In in your opinion, what do you think has caused that decline in in the mental health of teachers? 
Um, so, as we mentioned before, I think the pandemic has had an impact. Sure. The stress on teachers have increased because uh, children's ac- um, academic performance, there's been gaps that we've been expected to fill, um, pressures from Ofsted and that kind of threat. It's certainly um, a threat here. We've been hmm. overdue for an inspection for quite some years. And, and so also that so workload, you know, which goes, I suppose, hand in hand with what I've just said, hmm. um, probably the demand of the work uh, of workload um, and the demands of, of schools. So as a senior leader in, in a school, our budgets are cu- uh, have been cut. And so that has an impact on what we can deliver for our children. Um, so I think I think that has quite an impact on, yeah. on you know, teachers mental health and within a school how much or how do you as a deputy head how do you ensure that every teacher's well-being is looked after is that something that um can i mean colleagues amongst each other is 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 that something that is helpful yeah well i mean we we're we're a close-knit team we're a two-form entry primary school we've got about 450 children here Hmm. um and we've got quite a big teaching staff we um yes people supporting so i think having that teamwork ethos um we've done quite a lot of work with our teachers mental health is a huge priority here and has been for some years um for our staff and for our children but i think um making sure that you you talk to your staff about what they want because actually what we realized is that the pressure the precious thing for teachers is time so we've we've given them additional time we've hmm. given them pd opportunities to enable them to deliver their best for the children. On the other side of the the, the coin, Alex, uh, would it be fair to say that you know, with the with the current economic situation, there's all, only so much money that is available uh, for for schools and ultimately to pay the children as well. Uh, sorry, the t- the teachers as well. And on the other side. Um, you know, in terms of holidays, uh, you could argue that maybe teachers are getting more um, holidays than other people working in other jobs. Is that true or not? I mean, I, I, I'm a teacher. I came into teaching and I worked um, I worked in a completely different career before I became a teacher. So I've seen both sides of it. Hmm. Um, so I've seen the sort of classic 25 to 30 day holiday a year. And I think it's different. It's very different. What I used to do was a sort of classic uh, 9 till 6, 6.30 job and I took my holiday. What I do now is work very, very intensely for a six or seven week period. And um, this is the same for most of our teachers here. Um, I do work in the holidays, but you also, you work intensely and then you have to almost rest your body for um, a, a week or so to get over the intense period of working. So I think it's very, very different and hmm. difficult to compare. So I know lots of people say, oh yes, but you get long holidays. And I agree. We do have nice holidays and that's very nice, but the, the intensity um, of working is very different. Yeah. At, at this moment in time, what do you think, what do you feel is is the biggest issue for teachers? What is something that is, uh, that they're not being heard? Uh, what's, 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 what are some of the things that the, the general public may not be aware of? I mean, workload is a big one, but I think probably the general public are aware of that. Um, what else would I say? Or the biggest neglect from 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 the government perspective. I mean, what what do you 
What do you hope? What do you achieve? What do you try to? Uh, are you expecting anything um, to to change? Are you, um, you know, expecting the government to 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 step up a little bit if they haven't done so? I mean, I think there's more. Uh, you know, they're they're saying that there's going to be a bit more money for schools, which hmm. is, which is a good thing. Um, I think maybe just remembering that the aftermath of the pandemic is still there for our children. Yeah. They, some of them weren't in school for almost two years, and although academically schools have worked really hard to plug those gaps, let's remember that for some children in those really, really important years, they missed out on those social that that sociability, and and they had some children had lots of socialized socialized isolation, hmm. and actually that has quite a long-lasting effect. So I think um, everyone needs to be really, really mindful of that. And I think sometimes that that's been forgotten. Yeah. Alex Green, Deputy Head Teacher at a primary school here in London. Thank you very much for your time, Alex. And uh, thank you so much for, for, for joining us today. No problem. Thank you. Take care. Peace be upon you. 02086877878 is the number for you to call. That was Alex Green, a deputy head teacher here in London. And um, I mean, the issues that she spoke about, that's exactly what we were mentioning. Yeah, exactly. Um, So if you're a teacher, if you're listening in as well, um, or if you're a parent, um, your your children uh, goes to school um, and you have um, anything you would like to say in terms of, you know, the the pay for the teachers and the conditions as well as uh you know the the appreciation uh, do give us a call uh, 0208687 is the number you can also tweet at voice of islam uk we are uh, also asking uh, this question on our instagram uh, as well so do check it out a survey uh, commissioned by yougov um the charity education support uh, with the uh, educational professionals in schools and uh, colleges ahead of the end of summer term revealed that 61% uh, felt appreciated by the parents and carers of the pub, uh, uh, of the of the pupils and the students they have been supporting um and we also have uh, statistics showing that uh, 15% felt appreciated by the UK government 72% felt appreciated by their senior management team and uh, 18% felt appreciated by the UK's respective education departments. So the percentage, as you can see, is quite low. 15%. When it, <laughs> when it goes towards the top, yeah. Uh, we do not appreciate it. <laughs> we do not feel appreciated by the UK. In other words, no, yes. No, no, no. <laughs> now, um, the CEO of Education Support said that at a time of economic, social, and emotional recovery, the education workforce is focused on supporting children and young people to find their feet, recover learning, and reestablish relationships. Their success in doing this will directly affect the life chances of a generation. Yet at this critical point, we find that those working in schools and colleges feel poorly supported and unappreciated by government in particular. There is a clear message here from teachers. Involve us in decision-making, provide clear guidance, give us the time and resources required to support children and young people through this historic event. The National Educational Union found that nearly half of all teachers, a shocking 44%, planned to leave schools altogether by 2027, of which 52% find their workload unmanageable. That's half of the workforce. Half of the teachers. Crazy eh? numbers. That is uh, very, very alarming. And of course, 
especially for you know people like you and me who are who have children who will go to school yeah. in the future you yeah. do think like wow you know is is that going to be you know that the, the issue there what, what happens with the education for the future but there are millions and millions of children who would need uh you know the mentoring of uh, these valuable children uh, valuable uh, teachers and as as we mentioned you know when when they see that there are there are better opportunities yeah. elsewhere you know why, in why? other countries yeah. why well, not if if they're not? being paid better <clears throat> if their system is better if they're being appreciated look you have to at the end of the day with everything else uh, you have to look at yourself yeah if if something is drowning you if something is having a toll on your mental health what good do you get out of it to <coughs> to stay there and suffer and suffer and not being able to help and as our uh, previous guest also said that the majority of the teachers are not there for the pay no. they are there because that's their passion they yeah. like to teach yeah. they like to you know do that and if they're not enjoying that if it's mentally draining them exactly. then they're going to go there's nothing stopping you from going our next guest for today is with us on the line we are going to talk to correct me if i'm wrong here who are we talking to now hana uh, hana yes Brian. of course um and on on this note just before we go to hana uh, hana o'brien um just a reminder if you are on instagram so go to our instagram <coughs> story and um, make sure that you cast your vote if you leave us a comment on there as well we'll we'll, we'll try to include it into the program uh, inshallah but you can also give us a call on 02086877878 now Hannah O'Brien is an anti-anxiety coach who's going to talk to us about this topic. Hannah, good afternoon. Peace be upon you and welcome to the Draft Time show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to be talking to you guys about this. Great to have you on, Hannah. Um thank you very much for 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 your time. Um why are teachers experiencing a decline in in their mental health? I think that's a great question and a great topic and um honestly I think in the short answer I think the pandemic and shifting political landscape have left teachers really feeling overworked and undervalued. Um recently studies have shown that a lack of educational resources, difficulty with um staffing and parents uh as well as work overload like you guys were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. um time pressure and behavioral changes with students um are definitely the main contributing factors that cause a lot of the teachers stress and burnout that we're seeing. So it's kind of a combination of all of those things that's really culminating together that's changing the experience not only for the students but also for the teachers. Hmm. Um so we see we see things like staffing shortages, um even low pay, uh too many students and also something that I personally hear from my clients is that they're being expected to teach different levels of students in the same class. um and that in itself presents different challenges and creates um a more uh group uh classroom plan dynamic rather than an individual plan and so unfortunately it doesn't just affect the teachers it's also we're seeing affecting the students mm. and um ever since the pandemic of course the, the focus has mainly been on on helping children uh overcome and deal with the stress and anxiety uh, following the pandemic of course but do you think we have neglected our teachers well-being because there's been a lot of focus on you know the students children they need to be brought in mm-hmm. they need to be you know nurtured back in into the social uh, environment but then on the other hand it's always kind of been an expectations of teachers they they'll be just back in business so do you think that's been the case with their mental uh, issues 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that we've definitely neglected our teachers and unfortunately in the midst of all of this. And, um, you know, I think that it's, it's unprecedented times as people keep saying and um, just kind of meaning that we all kind of aren't sure how to deal with this and are trying to do our best. But I think moving forward, there's a lot of things that we could do to help support teachers now that we know that they need support. Um, because as we're seeing very little resources um, from schools or the government are being sent out to support teachers' mental health. And um, we find that a lot of teachers are also um, being anxious or we're finding that they're depressed and that in itself can uh, affect the vibe of the classroom and affect the energy that's in there and the way that things are being taught and the information is being given. So I think it's definitely important that we're paying attention to our teachers and making sure that they have at least the basics and the bare minimum that they need to get through their day so that they're not just trying to survive the day because that definitely changes the overall tone of the classroom. But um, something that I wanted to mention if we have any teachers, administrators, uh, principals maybe listening uh, today, I know that there is a, res a great resource, um, which I think might be another problem is that teachers don't know even the resources that are available to them um, because there are some out there, but sometimes we don't <coughs> share them or they're unaware, but there's a great one at www.education.support.org.uk. It's resources for individuals and it has uh, resources for teachers, for students and um, mindfulness resources and breathing exercises and great mental health things that are all completely free. And they also have a helpline as well. That's 08000562561. That's a completely free helpline for educators and teachers that might be experiencing any sort of mental health issues or just need more help in their classroom. So it's always good to mention anything that um, might be helpful out there and just kind of get the word out because sometimes the problem is they're not even aware of the resources that are available to them. Right. Um, Hannah, uh, the, the teacher uh, shortage uh, issue is, is not just something that we find here in the UK, but also in the US, apparently there is a shortage of about 300,000 teachers and staff across the U.S., according to the National Educa Education Association. So have you seen, um, as a professional, more uh, teachers approaching perhaps to, to discuss uh, their ongoing um, anxieties? Yeah, absolutely. I think teachers are definitely more eager to discuss what's going on and to try and get help for it. And um, I definitely see more teachers that are doing a great job and that are great teachers that are wanting to leave. And that speaks volumes to me because um, somebody who's an educator like you guys were talking about before and a teacher, they normally go into this because they love teaching and they really want to make a difference and be the difference and um, help, you know, shape the young minds of, that are going to eventually be our future. Um, and so it's something that they get into that's a passion. And so for these people that are so passionate about helping young people feeling and telling us that, hey, you know, this is too much and we're ready to leave. I think that's a huge red flag that we need to start making some changes and we really need to listen because their position is just so important in our society um, that I think it's it's worth looking into more and worth helping them in their fight. All right. Brilliant. Thank you uh, for that, uh, Reza. Yeah, I think you mentioned that <coughs> before, just uh, mm. before um, Safira asked that question, that how, how, what is it that teachers and education staff can effectively do to manage that anxiety, um, you know, the, apart from these helplines as well, um, for, for them to, because what I'm thinking is that when we, when we just before we took you on, we were talking about if I am not uh, feeling up to the level that I should be, how can I help? How can I teach um, these the, these kids or mm. you, whoever you're you're teaching? 
you need to be in that right state of mind yourself first. You need to be healthy. You need to look after yourself in order for you to help others. Mm. But if that's not the case, what do you do? Keeping in mind that if teachers do want to stay, if they really, as we spoke to Alex in the beginning, she said that they don't get into this for the sake of money. They do it for the passion. They do it for to 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 create that change in in the next generation. I want to stay in this job. I want to stay in this field, but what do I do first? Definitely, I think that's a great question. Um, I think communicating to the people around you that you need help and that you need support, and if you have been communicating that, continue to communicate it. Hmm. Um, and then as far as the teachers themselves, um, there's a couple actionable things that you can do starting today. Um, one method that if you're having anxiety or stress yourself in the classroom, something that you can do to calm your nervous system is put um, a cool ice pack or some ice cubes in a little um, Ziploc bag and put it on your chest for two minutes or five minutes and kind of hold it there. That'll stop any panic attacks for students as well as teachers. Um, it physically triggers a response in the body that calms the nervous system down. Mm-hmm. So that one has been a favorite among all of my uh, clients that are teachers. Um, it works really quickly. And then um, it deep breathing exercises. If you're a teacher and you can take a moment, I know that sometimes we're not able to physically take a second. So if you're teaching and you've got a lot that you're doing and you're starting to feel anxious or stressed or burned out, take a second, take a couple count to five, backwards from five, and try to take a deep breath on every um, number as you're going backwards and just try to calm yourself. Um, there's a couple of deep breathing exercises you can look up online as well that can be helpful to help move through the day when times are getting stressful. And then, of course, just incorporating a couple of things into your routine. If you know that routinely there's a certain point in the day where it's going to get stressful, um, incorporate something where you can have maybe a five-minute break beforehand hmm. or maybe you can walk to the office and get some fresh air and practice that deep breathing or maybe you can put on some calming music for the classroom during that time. Just finding one or two things that you can incorporate into your day that make it a little bit easier can make the week overall a little bit more bearable. Um, But for students, I would recommend, um, if we're dealing with student anxiety, I would try the rainbow method, which is a favorite among my teachers. Um, To do the rainbow method, all you have to do is ask your classroom or the student to look around the room and find one object that's red and say it out loud, and then they'll find an object that's orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple in the color of the rainbow. And the idea is to ground the student to their surroundings around them to make them feel more grounded to the room and bring them back to their breathing. This can be done with a teacher, with a student. It can be done in a group. And a lot of times there's lots of color in a classroom, so it's Mm. really easy to find those colors quickly into be involved in something else. When the brain is involved in something like finding objects, it has a lot harder time being anxious. Um, So that's a really good one that works well for students. As well as if you're having an individual student that's having a hard time, I would recommend either having them um, go to the water fountain really quick, um, maybe grab a snack and step outside. If there's an errand that they can run to the office for you where they can take a walk and get a breather, um, that's another great idea. Um, And also if you're having a student that's incredibly anxious or maybe on the verge of a panic attack a great thing that you can do scientifically that will help the body is you can um, tell them to wash their hands Um, go to the sink and have them wash their hands under really cool water and um, do that for about 30 seconds and then change the water to warm and have them wash their hands under the warm Hmm. water 
the temperature change will help shock their nervous system back into um, rhythm and remind it that, oh, okay, we need to calm down. Um, and so it's just scientifically something that's easy that they can do that's quick that will help them um, get back to a normal rhythm. So just those couple of things. And then as an overall classroom, just the last few things that they could do. Um, I found teachers, uh, clients that I have that have had success in affirmations at the beginning of the day, just setting the intention with the students, having them repeat the affirmations back to them. I am going to have a great day today. I'm going to be kind to my neighbor. I'm going to be a good listener. I'm going to be involved. Um, just some of those great affirmations that we can say to start the day out. Um, also, just taking deep breaths as a classroom can be helpful or playing any sort of um, meditation or classical music in the back background can also be really helpful as well. Um, and the last one that I'll, I'll leave teachers with is there's a really great exercise where if kids are having a bad day or test anxiety, you can um, do this exercise where you can have them imagine the um, anxiety, say you're doing a test, and say, okay, before the test starts, we're going to imagine all the anxiety or the anxious energy we have, and we're going to imagine a color and a shape for it in our head, and we're going to visualize it, and we're going to see it um, get smaller and smaller as I'm talking, and that anxiety and that shape and that color is getting smaller as we're physically making it smaller, and we're getting prepared for our test. Um, and the idea is to shrink those those um, feelings and emotions um, of scared and anxiety into hmm. feelings of calm and preparedness. So that's another good one that you can use if you have anxious students or students that kind of test anxious. You might try that one out and see if that works. But hopefully those are a couple of actionable things that I can leave um, anybody who's listening with today or even parents that are listening that they can help try with their kids at home. Wonderful. Mm. Very, Wonderful. very good tips. Very, uh, very interesting. Uh, yes. You know, very creative sort of ways to deal with it. So very nice. Thank you for that. Hannah, as always, great to have you on. Thank you so much again for your time. Hannah O'Brien, anti-anxiety coach with us on the line. Thank you so much. Have a great day ahead. Of course. Thank you so much. Take care. Take care. Thank you very much. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call. We are going to move on. And just a brief reminder, if you <coughs> are on social media and if you have uh, Instagram, then uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can uh, send us a comment on Instagram, but we'll also asking you about this topic <clears throat> teachers are underappreciated how much do you agree with this comment do you totally agree do you somewhat agree do you disagree or are you not sure about this question so we would love to hear from you you can send us uh, also a tweet at voice of some uk you you'll be surprised how many people click i'm not sure about this um, question <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no I, for for right now as as the standing is it's uh, it's uh, there's there's a few not un there's a few unsure people. Yeah, yeah. I but mean the, the thing is the majority uh, does agree with it though. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, you know the 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 sad thing is Raza is that uh, you know when it comes to the authorities and people who do make the decisions, you know, you do need to have the the education sector on board. You know, you sure. cannot make decisions for them that will change their way of teaching, yeah. their way of life without consulting them, without you know taking in account that we need to take care of them and uh, it's always very surprising that we seem to you know as a country have money laying around to spend on wars mm. we have money laying around to spend on 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 uh, sp on weapons or, or on things that are less important but when it comes to yeah. these things when yeah. it comes to education when it comes to things that helps the 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 people in society why why don't we have enough there or why if if it's not about having enough uh, resources then is it maybe about 
the correct distribution of resources. <laughs> I'm, I'm just uh, because I, you know, on Fridays I've learned from Brother Daniel. He's a numbers guy, yeah, and he usually does that. But when <coughs> we talk about budget, for example, it just <laughs> the <laughs> defense budget mm. for the biggest uh, democracy at the moment, yeah, which is you know the U.S. Guess uh, what? What what that is around. For the U.S. For the U.S. Yes. Uh, I'm just gonna put a number. What 150 billion? Uh no, we're we're far away from that. Oh, are we? okay. Yeah, we're looking at 700. Ooh, wow. 773 billion dollars. Oh my goodness. And then here at the U.K., well, let's uh, go to yeah, the, the U.K. right now. Right now, currently, we are at mere just, just a little bit. Uh, which is at 48 billion pounds. And it is predicted to go up to 100 billion pounds by the year 2029, 2030. Wow. Which is in six years' time, seven years, around that. Well, that and shows you what you need to see, I yeah. guess. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, education budget, if we come to that, um, which... I mean, it's it's very it's it's a bit difficult to 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 put this into words, but um, it's not probably there to mm. where it should be. Mm. Keeping all these things in mind. Look, one is that you have the the resources, the material, but clearly what this pandemic has taught us is that you need to invest in a little bit more than just the physical, tangible products that you have, the laptops and 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 the facilities. You have to look after the mental health of your workforce, the educators of the next generation. Absolutely. And uh, what people don't realize is that this is the future. Mm. This is, you know, this is not, uh, uh, you know, an, an investment where you are saying, OK, we need to pay the teachers because they're teaching and they're working hard. But this is actually it. An, it is an investment that you will get return of if you mm. invest in the teachers, if sure. you invest in education, Absolutely. you will get brilliant students. You will get students who have been given attention so they will be good they'll be uh, you know more progressive more beneficial for society so it's a win-win situation and uh, we hope and we pray obviously that uh, we as a country can realize that and uh, uh, put the priorities right um, so what are the teachers most uh, concerned about first and foremost uh, you know amidst all this we should bear in mind that uh, islam teaches us the following that allah burdens not any soul beyond its capacity it shall have the reward it earns and it shall get the punishment it incurs our lord do not punish us if we forget or fall into error and our lord lay not on us a responsibility as thou didst lay upon those before us our lord burden us not with what we have not the strength to bear and efface our sins and grant us forgiveness and have mercy on us thou art our master so help us thou against the disbelieving people and having talked about all the issues that the teaching sector and the education sector are facing Raza I think we also need to mention that despite these issues the reward of teaching the reward hmm. that comes with that um, is something that the teachers also you know I'm, I'm sure they have in their mind but also you know if you if you look at it from this point of view that you you don't do this of course all the teachers that that we we uh, our caller mentioned our guest mentioned as well that they do that because that's their passion hmm. so ultimately they would they would love to do this but 
at the end of the day, if some teachers are forced to leave uh, or if they are leaving, then they are leaving because uh, there is there is no desire there, yeah. right? And that's something I think, I guess, also teachers will will also have to keep in mind from an Islamic point of view that uh, sometimes even a little bit of sacrifice is also there to be taken. Yeah. But of course, we're not saying that uh, the, the system should be should not be changed. But we're saying that it's such a rewarding job, and and at times, you know, everybody must be feeling uh, difficulties and challenges. Uh, but and 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 you know the way Hannah mentioned it. I mean, there is support out there, yeah. and, and there is. I I don't think there is. I don't know how 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 the situation is if there is a stigma attached to it or not, but. To ask for help is 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 never a bad mm. idea. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just I think <clears throat> in in all of the midst of this, what I was saying before as well that we need to we need to come first sometimes. You need to take care of yourself first, mm. and if that's the case, that you are realizing that you are being told by a coworker or by your family or your friends that look, there's something different here. You're not the way you used to be anymore. Then yeah. There's nothing wrong with with you asking for help. Exactly, exactly. Um, so teachers have expressed an urgent need to strengthen expertise and exactly what you're talking yeah. about, that support, uh, specialist support for staffs in schools so that children's mental health also uh, and well-being is maintained. Uh, 58% of teachers assessed uh, the support of family. Um, uh, they, they were able to access um, uh, the support from family and friends to help cope with the pandemic. Yeah. So... Some support you will get from that circle, but there needs to also be obviously the uh, professional help there as well, uh, because um, all of these we, we don't want teachers. We don't want to lose te- yeah, teachers yeah. because that is going to be a losing position for 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 the whole society. But then on the other side, if you think about that, you know, fifty eight percent had access, but there's also a quarter, twenty four percent roughly, of teachers that said that they hadn't accessed any support at all. Mm. And in terms of skills and attributes most needed now when adapting back to school or college after lockdown, 56% said that they felt the ability to quickly adapt to new circumstances was the most important attribute or skill. And I think, look, this is this is going to keep happening. Mm. If you think about, we, we don't know, the world that we're living in at the moment is unpredictable. Very unpredictable. Cost yeah. of living crisis. What, what if you lose certain um, staff? within within a couple of weeks or within a couple of months how mm. do you adapt to that mm. so this is something that probably is something worth looking in but for staff working from home 40, 41% were concerned with ensuring uh, pupils and students were safe and these thoughts are always on their minds and you think about this you're not just I think when we talk about w- taking work home teachers are among those people they are among those people that, yes, you have certain concerns, you have certain issues that you take that work home, but uh, it's always in the back of their minds mm. that, you know, how how do you ensure that your your students that you are responsible for, how do they keep up and how um, how do you make sure that you, you deliver what, yeah. what, what you uh, got into this for? So what should be done? Uh, we have talked about... Uh, you know, governments and policymakers, they should uh, bring people aboard, especially those uh, decisions that are concerning the education sector should be uh, made in such a way that there is a, you know, uh, agreement or some kind of uh, consultation uh, in, 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 in view of that. And uh, these policymakers should come together to make mental health um, 
also an important uh, part of the education recovery for teachers and hmm. education policy. Schools and, and colleges should prioritize a culture of well-being and reduce stigma, um, looking after their leadership and supporting their staff, uh, which is which is crucial um, at this time. Uh, and again, we talked about the funding. The funding model must evolve again to provide schools and colleges with the capacity to recover, deliver, and improve. And I remember going back to the program I think we did a week ago about uh, uh, energy and how it will impact schools as well. It is not acceptable that schools have to worry about having the lights on. Schools mm. have to worry about yeah. providing food for children there for the you know their school meals. That is, you know, we, we live in a so-called you know sixth uh, uh, biggest world largest, of, yeah, yeah. World largest uh, economy. economy. So that is some of the things that is very difficult to understand that uh, this is what's going on and you cannot just blame this on you know uh, a war that is happening in some country you know yeah. or or brexit you know it has to do with the structure within the the the, the country that, that something is lacking years of maybe underfunding yeah. years of underfunding the education it doesn't happen overnight and the funding model as you as you said it it that is something that you might have to look at it because you don't have the same size schools in every part of the country, in every part of of of, of the city. Even when we spoke to Alex, that's four hundred people, four hundred kids. Mm. You might say it's it's a it's a it's a big number, but I think comparatively, when you look at other schools, this is a very small this is a small school. Um, so you have these different resources that you know have to be met. Uh, in order to cater for, for for the needs of the community, and the key should be to build a stronger sense of of community for teachers in a school. It is important for educators, for example, to feel comfortable to communicate that to their colleagues and seniors when they feel that their mental health is <coughs> taking a toll, and it's not just about being bombarded with work. As you know, Alex mentioned that as well. That they they have because it's a closely knit community. It's a close. It's yeah. a smaller school. They do take care of each other. They do get to talk to each other yeah. and 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 have and yeah. keep an eye out. And I think there's a responsibility on the wider society as well. Uh, I mean, uh, students, uh, anybody who's learning from from anyone, yeah. that we give the teachers due respect. Uh, I mean, in in the society today, we see that there is a. Uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, disrespect towards teachers in schools. Yeah, yeah, it can, yeah. it shouldn't be. Islam, you know, there's a saying of uh, Hazrat Ali, who was the fourth caliph of the uh, 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 for the for the Muslims after the Prophet. He said that a very famous saying that if a person teaches me one single word, hmm. he has made me his servant for a lifetime. Yeah. So I think that also goes in with how our society is today. Is that generally uh, people don't have respect for. Uh, uh, their teachers so that's something that also needs to change so the time of Christmas here in the UK is approaching if you have learned something from this is that we need to support our teachers and if you I mean being Muslim or not it is the the festival season for our Christian friends here in the UK so it doesn't have to be a Christmas present it's just about a gesture of appreciation the next time you go to pick up your kid at school to say thank you to their to, give to, him a to card, the teacher give him a flower give him whatever, a card yeah. give him a flower whatever it is give him a small gift give him a smile and appreciate the work mm. that they're doing I have learned this as I said after the pandemic after my kids started going to school again 
I couldn't emphasize on this enough. Every time I saw the teacher, I'm like, thank you so much for the work that you do. Anyways, coming to the end of today's program, we would like to say thank you to our researchers and to our producers for today's program. We would like to say thank you very much to to you today as well for listening in, for joining in. Tomorrow, inshallah, is the Friday team going to be with you. I believe it's Daniel Zia and Simon Kamer. And for today, we would like to say thank you to Anna Mahmoud um, and uh, for all the research and the production that she's done and also to our tech team. Thank you very much for joining us today. And Sophia, what a... So nice to have you back on, man. Yeah, it was so such nice. a nice uh, show. It's like back in the days, like yeah. you know, yeah, when, uh, when we started. More of that in the future. All right. Thank you very much for for joining us today, uh, one more time, and uh, have a great evening ahead. We'll be back with you tomorrow, inshallah. Assalamualaikum.